Exodus chapter 25. Good to see all of you. All right. We started Exodus 25 already last time we were together. And so we're going to continue and we should finish today. We're going to do quite a bit of reading, but we've got some fun stuff going on. We're going to put Ellie to the test in a few minutes because uh, we've, we've got some videos, some short videos to show you. Exodus 25, now let me just remind you that where, what, what's going on in Exodus 25 is that uh, the children of Israel have been freed from slavery in Egypt. Uh, they've been traveling, heading toward the promised land as God is leading them. They are now in the wilderness of Sinai. They are at Mount Sinai. Moses is on the mountain receiving from God all sorts of wonderful instructions, wonderful news, different things that God is giving to him. Um, we haven't gotten to the Ten Commandments yet, but, uh, oh, I'm sorry, we did, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but, but uh, there's going to be some, some trouble with the commandments a little bit later, um, but before we get there, what God does here in Exodus 25 is, he gives Moses blueprints, plans for the building of the tabernacle. Now, this is significant, this is huge. Um, Hebrews, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it for you, but just so you know, those of you that take notes, in Hebrews chapter 9, the book of Hebrews, um, in a, a few various places, talks about what's going on way back in Exodus, but here's what Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 and 12 says about this, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. So we learn a couple of different things about the tabernacle. The first is actually that it was going to be a pattern, we'll learn that at the end of the chapter today, that, that the tabernacle that God, the plans that God is giving to Moses is actually um, it, it's, it's patterned after what is seen in heaven, okay? But the other thing, which is uh, incredible for you and I, is that the tabernacle is a picture, we find out later on as we continue reading through the Bible and getting into the New Testament, that the, picture, the, the, uh, the tabernacle, this tent of meeting, is a picture of Jesus. Now, you and I have to be careful. I'm, I'm sharing some things with you that right now you might think, what's the big deal, who really cares? But as time goes on and as you uh, continue to grow with the Lord, and I don't know if you'll stay here at this church or if you'll go on to other churches, you know, maybe later on you get married, you go to a different church, whatever. Or maybe one of these days you're looking for a church. A lot of people do this. They Maybe they leave for college or they end up moving, again, with their family out of state or they go to some different place. They get married again, move. And you're looking for a church and this may come up. This may be something that you you know, are concerned with, oftentimes what will happen is in the Old Testament, now we're told in the New Testament that the things that happened in the Old Testament were meant to teach us lessons. So that's why we spend time in the Old Testament. And there are things in the Old Testament that are pictures of Jesus. And this is one of the spots where sometimes people get to the tabernacle and they start uh, seeing Jesus in every single little detail of the tabernacle. Now, it may be that as God is, is giving the plans for the tabernacle, that he wants the Israelites, the Hebrews that are with Moses, 
to see pictures of Jesus in all of these details, okay? So we may look at that and go, oh, that, that's a type of Jesus. That's a type of Jesus. That's a type of Jesus. Um, but we have to be careful. You and I have to be careful that we're not seeing Jesus in every single little thing if the Bible doesn't talk about that. Um, the Bible doesn't, doesn't tell us that, that there's a picture of Jesus in every single little detail of, of the furniture that we're going to see. So just be careful. The reason I'm telling you that is because some people like to spiritualize everything and they see Jesus in every little thing. We've got to be careful, okay? Because I could go, I could then say, oh, you know what? These lights that are up here, these stage lights, that's, those are a picture of Jesus. Because uh, they're off right now. And it's like when Jesus... Uh, died and he was crucified but then they'll pop on and it's like when Jesus was resurrected and then they shine a light and that's Jesus the light of the world so I've got to be careful with that okay do you understand what I'm saying again right now you might be thinking this is crazy this is dumb I don't really get it who cares but later on that may be extremely helpful and then you can call me when I'm like 99 years old and say Pastor Chris thank you so much for teaching that Bible study and I'll be like who is this? You know, I won't even know who you are. So anyhow, uh, let's get into it. We've already started Exodus 25. I'm going to show you some things real quickly as we get to the, the second part of this. Five main divisions. Number one is the offerings, which we looked at, the importance of worship, of, of uh, offering to God costly things, things that cost me something and that they need to be collected willingly. We'll see that in just a moment. Uh, we'll see the ark, the mercy seat, the table, the lampstand. Those are all furnishings in the tabernacle. Here's the first couple. Let me just click through these real quickly, I think. I bet they're going to just pop up right now. It's always like a little delay. There it is, collected willingly. We saw, first of all, that the offerings, God was, was asking the people to, to give so that they could build, they could construct this tabernacle. We found out, first of all, that the things must be collected willingly and that they must be costly. We want to apply that to our worship. Uh, we want our worship to be done willingly. And we want it to be something that costs us something. Okay? Now, we get into the second main division, beginning at verse 10, and we see the ark. Okay? How many of you have seen... Indiana Jones, yes, and the Ark, right, the Ark of the Covenant, so we know all there is to know about the Ark, in fact, we can probably just skip over the section, because we've watched Indiana Jones, okay, some incredible things here, <laughs> first of all, we find out that the Ark was made of acacia, you know what, I am so sorry, I just realized, I put, this is my fault, not anybody else's, I put acacia and wood, that's like saying it was made out of steel and metal. I meant to say, if you're taking notes, made of acacia and gold. Made of acacia and gold. Verse 10. And they shall make an ark of acacia wood. Two and a half cubits shall be its length. Okay? You're going, what's a cubit? It's one of those, uh, you know those cubes that people do with all the colorful stickers on it? That's a cubit. Just kidding, that's a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> cubit is a measurement, okay? And they shall make an ark of acacia wood. Two and a half cubits shall be its length. A cubit and a half its width. And a cubit and a half its height. It's believed that that measurement was roughly the distance between your elbow and your, uh, and your hand. 
Uh, and you shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and out you shall overlay it and shall make on it a molding of gold all around. Now, let me just give you an example real quickly. This is where some people say, that's Jesus. That the wood would represent the humanity of Jesus, and the gold that overlaid it would represent his deity. So, that may or may not be, but we're not told that, and so all we have is that this was to be made out of acacia wood, which I understand was plentiful in that area, and then you had the gold overlaying that, okay? Now, the second thing about the ark is found in verses 12 through 16, and that is that it was mobile, that it was mobile. Verse 12, you shall cast four rings of gold for it, and put them in its four corners. So you can imagine there's this box made, okay, acacia wood covered in gold, and then there was these four gold rings that were attached to it. What were those four? Verse 13, God bless you. And you shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. You shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark, that the ark may be carried by them. The poles shall be in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. So put them in there, leave them. And you shall put into the ark the testimony which I will give you. The testimony, what is that? We'll find that out later. There, there. So this is a box, and we find out that it was, it was to be carried, it was going to be mobile, but also we find out that it was a storage box, that they were going to put the testimony which I will give you. What is that? We'll find that out later. But I want you to see that it's mobile. Now this is important. This is extremely important. You're going to find that this entire tabernacle was mobile, that it was mobile. You guys like mobile or mobile better? I like mobile. It's mobile. Okay? Anyhow, uh, it was, you could take it, you could move it. Okay? Now, the reason for that was, I believe, twofold. Because these, the children of Israel were pilgrims. Not, you know, the big black hats and the black clothing and that sort of thing. The, they were travelers. They were moving. Them being at Mount Sinai was not their final destination. They're going to the promised land. So God wants for these items to be movable, mobile, okay? But there's something else that I believe God wants to show them, and that is that he is mobile with them. That he is not a destination off somewhere in the far distance. You must travel to the far east and find a hidden temple in the jungle and all those sorts of Indiana Jones type things. What God wanted them to know was that he was there, present with them at all times. If they were moving, he was going to be with them. So what an incredible thought. That everywhere you and I go, there God is. You and I, when we belong to him, we never go anywhere alone. So it was to be movable. Now, let's move on. We've got a cool video to show you, but not yet, because the video covers two different sections. We've seen the ark, that it is to be made out of acacia wood, that it is to be made out of gold, that it is to be movable, that they were to put some things in it. Let's go into verse 17, where we find, verses 17 through 22, the mercy seat, the mercy seat. Now, the first thing that we find out in verse 17 is that it was to be made out of pure gold. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its width. 
And you shall make two cherubim of gold. Anybody know what a cherubim is? Cherubim. Anybody? Yes? James? Angels. Angels. Okay. Did anybody else know that? That's what you're thinking? Okay. Okay. Yeah, these, they were to make these, they were to cast these two forms of angels to put on this mercy seat. Now, um, so let's read on. Verse, verse 18, and you shall make two cherubim of gold, of hammered work, you shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Little tiny clues in here that there were craftsmen there. Individuals who could hammer gold. Imagine that. You're traveling. You've left Egypt. You're on your way to the promised land. And you're out there with your little mobile, uh, you know, gold making kit. And you're, you're, you're hammering. God, God says, uh, I want you to, make, you know, hammer out these two angels out of gold. <laughs> no problem. Right? Most of us can't even hammer a nail into snow, you know? And, and he's like, yeah, hammer, hammer some angels out of gold. <laughs> no problem. But they, they had that, uh, that ability to do so. Some individuals had been blessed with that ability, which gives me an opportunity for a shameless plug right now in the middle of our study. Um, in a month or two, about two months, we will have on a Wednesday night uh, another one of our art mixers where you will be invited to bring your artwork and display it for us. We'll have some music and different things. But some of you have been blessed with an ability to paint or to draw or to sculpt or to, uh, to cast or to write poetry, uh, or, or play music, play an instrument. And those are God-given talents or God-given abilities. And God had given certain people these abilities. Verse 18, they were to hammer gold into the shape of two cherubim, two angels. Now cherubim, you may, um, if you were to Google cherubim, what you would most likely find are pictures of chubby little winged babies. Okay? Cute, very cute, okay? However, not really so accurate. And uh, there are many who believe that you and I, when we die, that we'll become chubby little angel babies also, okay? Naked little chubby, you know, winged babies, okay? Uh, but that is, that's, that's not biblical. It's cute. It's a, it's a cute scene, but it's not, not uh, at all accurate. Here the cherubim, they're angels. They're to, they're to be these two angels. This is quite interesting here. Verse 19. Now, now, I'm sorry, they were to make these two angels at the two ends of the mercy seat. So, one on one end, one on the other end. Verse 19, make one cherub at one end, and the other cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherubim at the two ends of it, of one piece, with the mercy seat. Got it. And the cherubim shall, shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings. So, it seems that the wings would be facing toward one another, and probably touching and covering the mercy seat. Are you confused? Anybody confused? Okay. I'm glad that you're confused because I've got a video to show you that is going to clear it up. But I just want you to hear the details. Okay? And they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat, check this out, verse 21, you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And the ark was going to be made out of two different things. Does anybody remember what they were? What were they? I believe it was acacia wood and gold. Yes. Yeah, acacia wood and gold. Acacia wood. Yeah, acacia wood. Yeah, you got it. Wood and gold. Okay? Not acacia and wood. Okay? What I say? Acacia wood and wood? Is that what I said? No. Okay. Acacia wood and gold. So so what we find out right here is that you've got these two different pieces. You've got 
the original ark, which was a box covered in gold, but it didn't have a lid on it. And so what God did, did was he just, he just told him, I want you to make a lid, but it's not just called a lid. It's called a mercy seat. Now, why? Why is it called a mercy seat? Verse 21, you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And in the ark, you shall put the testimony that I will give you. What's the testimony? We don't know yet. Okay, we'll find out later. Verse 22, we find this out, that the mercy seat was to be pure gold, and secondly, that it was to be a place of meeting. This entire tabernacle is constructed. It is the whole purpose of it is for a meeting place between God and the people. Now, could he meet them in a bush? He absolutely could. But he wants a place that they can look up and see. Every morning they come out of their tent. This would be at the center of camp. They'd look. That's right. Got to start my day with God. God wants to meet with us. God is with us. God is actually here. Verse 22, And there I will meet with you, and I will speak with you. Look at this. From above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony, about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. So this is going to be a meeting place. God is going to meet somewhere above the mercy seat, between the two angels, somewhere in there his presence is going to be. Now does it sound kind of like, you know, kind of mysterious? It is. This was a, a place for the people to come and meet with God. And in reality, it would only be one high priest at a time. Okay? But that's the idea is this is, this is going to be a place for his presence to dwell. I love that God wanted a meeting place for him and his people. Nothing has changed. You and I do not have a mercy seat. But remember that we read from Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, that Jesus is the greater, the better tabernacle. See, we don't have, no longer have a specific place where God says, I'm going to meet you there and dwell with you there. Now, because of Jesus and the, uh, the freedom that we have to meet with God anywhere, the meeting place for you and God might be your bedroom. That might be the place where God oftentimes talks to you in the privacy of your own bedroom. Might be in the restroom. Okay? You might have a big family. You're like, man, I just cannot find any peace here. And go to the bathroom, go to the shower, and they're just wondering, like, what are you doing in there? You know, and you come out just with all kinds of Shekinah glory from meeting with God, like, woo, you know, I'm so feeling so good or whatever, feeling so excited, like, woo, is woo. What was going on in there? Are you having a party or what? Say, no, I was meeting with God. It might be that place. It might be a bench at the park down the street from your house where, you know what, I go there when things are just kind of crazy and I just sit and I wait for God to speak to me. Might be uh, some hike that you go on maybe near your house where you've got a certain place by a tree or there's a rock there and I just go and I just sit for a while and I look out and I, maybe I, I look at the landscape or I look at the sunset and I just wait there for God when my heart is troubled. So it, it could be anywhere now God meets with you. 
But the, the, the point is that God still wants to meet with us. Incredible. You know, it's not enough that God created the universe and is sustaining it all, but that he still wants to meet with you and I. What a wonderful thing. What a beautiful picture. Now, there I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. So that's going to be the spot. I'm going to, all the instructions that I have, that's where it's going to, that's, that's where you're going to receive it. Okay. Now what we're going to do is we're going to see if we can mix up Ellie here in just a moment because we're going to have her, she's going to cut off my slides for a moment. And then she's going to play the video. There's a video on there. That's the Ark of the Covenant for us. And do we have the sound up? Somebody got the soundboard? We got the sound up? Okay, cool. And um, this is going to show you the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat. It's a short video. Check this out. And they shall make an ark of acacia wood. Two and a half cubits shall be its length, a cubit and a half its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and out you shall overlay it. And shall make on it a molding of gold all around. You shall cast four rings of gold for it. And put them in its four corners. Two rings shall be on one side. And two rings on the other side. And you shall make poles of acacia wood. And overlay them with gold. You shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark. That the ark may be carried by them. The poles shall be in the rings of the ark, they shall not be taken from it, and you shall put into the ark the testimony which I will give you. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its width. And you shall make two cherubim of gold, of hammered work you shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end, and the other cherub at the other end, and you shall make the cherubim at the two ends of it one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you. And there I will meet with you, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony, about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. All right, very good. Thank you very much, Ellie. We've got a couple more videos to show you. We won't do that yet. We'll do them in just a moment as we go through there. Uh, 9.45, okay, so we've got, we got enough time. So uh, that gives you an idea. What that also does, that video, and they're doing it as accurately as they can, uh, we don't have any, anything else to compare it to as far as its size. However, when you saw the poles go in, it kind of gives you an idea of how big it might be. You know, there would be priests that when it was moved, they would pick up those poles, you know, four of them, uh, and, they would, and they would move that thing. Okay, so uh, this was not like some e extremely big, you know, the, oh, the box was bigger than the room. It was big enough for uh, a few people to uh, pick up and carry. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Uh, after the mercy seat, he has given instructions on, he has given instructions on the table. There it is. There's the table, verses 23 through 30. You shall also make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length. 
a cubit its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold. There it is again. So we find out that, got it right this time, made of acacia and gold. Verse 24, and you shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold all around. You shall make for it a frame of a handbreadth all around. And you shall make a gold molding for the frame all around. In verse 26, down to verse 30, we find out again that this also was to be mobile. And you shall make for it four rings of gold and put the rings on the four corners that are at its four legs. Talking about a table, remember, that's why it's got legs. The rings shall be close to the frame as holders for the poles to bear the table. And you shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. That the table may be carried with them. You shall make its dishes, its pans, its pitchers, and its bowls for pouring. You shall make them of pure gold. And you shall set the showbread on the table before me always. Now, what in the world is showbread? And yours might be spelled S-H-O-W or S-H-E-W, showbread. Showbread literally meant bread of faces or presence bread. And the idea is that this bread was to be always, they would always have bread on this table every single day. And it would be changed out at certain times, but the bread was to be ever before the face of God, always in the presence of God. Okay? Now, again, some interesting things uh, about this. Remember that, what did Jesus say? I am the something of life. Does anybody remember? Bread. I am the bread of life. Okay? And, and so by the time Jesus came along, um, he's claiming to be, hey, I am the bread of life. And essentially saying, you no longer need these, these, these loaves of bread, this showbread. I am the bread of life. So some incredible claims and some incredible comparisons. Okay, we have another video of the table. You want to see that? Makes it a lot easier to, to visualize, doesn't it? Okay, let's go ahead. Ellie, could you get the one with the table, please? Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, and make thereto a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt make unto it a border of an handbreadth round about. And thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. And thou shalt make for it four rings of gold. And put the rings in the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be for places of the staves to bear the table. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood. And overlay them with gold the table may be borne with them. And thou shalt make the dishes thereof, and spoons thereof, and covers thereof, and bowls thereof, to cover withal. Of pure gold shalt thou make them. And thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me always. Thank you. Now, did anybody see the showbread on there and think, man, I really want some pancakes? Just me? I want pancakes. Anyways, the table made of acacia and gold, and it also was to be mobile. Got to pick that up and move it when it is time. Okay? 
All right, let's move on to the last part. Last part already. And you know what? Actually, I don't, I'm not sure that I put up a slide. I did not. Let's get to that. We'll get to the girls' picnic in just a moment. Let me go back one. Let me, there it is, right there. Uh, let's just leave it there. I did not put up a slide for lampstand because there are no subpoints. It's just the lampstand. It's all about the lampstand. And you'll notice here in verse 31, it is to be pure gold. Verse 31, you shall also make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be of hammered work. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornamental knobs and flowers shall be of one piece. All one piece. Incredible. And six branches shall come out of its sides. Three branches of the lampstand out of one side, and three branches of the lampstand out of the other side. Three bowls shall be made like almond blossoms on one branch. So, not a big deal. I want you to hammer out, you know, this lampstand, all one piece, hammer it out of gold. Not a big deal. And, oh, by the way, I want you to decorate it like almond blossoms, okay? Not hard to do. Verse 33, three bowls shall be made like almond blossoms on one branch with an ornamental knob and a flower. Three bowls made like almond blossoms on the other branch, with an ornamental knob and a flower. And so for the six branches that come out of the lampstand. On the lampstand itself, four bowls shall be made like almond blossoms, each with its ornamental knob and flower. And there shall be a knob under the first two branches of the same, a knob under the second two branches of the same, and a knob under the third two branches of the same, according to the six branches that extend from the lampstand. Are you confused yet? I was. I, don't, I cannot tell you how many times I read this, and I'm trying to picture without looking at a video. I knew, and I knew, okay, I can find a picture. I can find a video of it, but I'm trying to picture it in my mind. It's like I, I, I was totally lost. Verse 36, their knobs and their branches shall be of one piece. All of it shall be one hammered piece of pure gold. You shall make seven lamps for it, and they shall arrange its lamps so that they give light in front of it. And its wick trimmers... And their trays shall be made of pure gold. It shall be made of a talent of pure gold, that was a certain amount of pure gold, with all these utensils. And see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. Now we'll get back to that last verse, verse 40, in just a moment. That's where we will end. But we've got one more cool video to show you with um, uh, the, the lampstand. So let's go ahead and take a look at that. And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made. His shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knops, and his flowers shall be of the same. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it, three branches of the candlestick out of the one side, and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side. Three bowls made like unto almonds, with a knop and a flower in one branch and three bowls made like almonds in the other branch, with a knop and a flower. So in the six branches that come out of the candlestick. And in the candlestick shall be four bowls made like unto almonds, with their knops and their flowers. And there shall be a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, according to the six branches that proceed out of the candlestick. Their knops and their branches shall be of the same. All it shall be one beaten work of pure gold. And thou shalt make the seven lamps thereof, and they shall light the lamps thereof, that they may give light over against it. And the tongs thereof, 
and the snuff dishes thereof shall be of pure gold. Of a talent of pure gold shall he make it with all these vessels. And look that thou make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. All right, very good. Thank you very much, Ellie. So, uh, you get a good picture there. Does anybody know what that is? The, th those lamps are still made today. Does anybody know what the, the modern-day name for them is? Menorah. A menorah, yes. Uh, so you may see menorahs at different times of the year, uh, usually around Christmas, because, um, what's the festival called? Uh, Hanukkah. Thank you very much. You guys are tracking along. Very good. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what they're, they're used for today. You may see them in different places. Uh, those that celebrate Hanukkah would put them up in their window and light one candle each night. Um, now, he did on the, on the video called it a candle, uh, I think he called it a candlestick. Um, however, um, maybe not such a big deal, it is a big deal, that uh, they would not have had candles at that time. Although it did look like a candlestick, uh, it would have been filled with olive oil and it would have burned with a wick in there. Um, so that, that entire thing would have been filled with oil. Pretty incredible. But it says in verse 40, as we finish, and see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. Now again, we find out later on that this was patterned after a heavenly scene. That these things, God was telling Moses, I want you to make it this way because this is what it looks like in heaven. But it's also important for us to realize and to understand that God wanted them, as he says in verse 40, make them according to the pattern which, which was shown you. I'm giving you the pattern. God was into detail. He was concerned that the people had a beautiful place to meet with him. Now, the place was not extravagant in, in the... In the um, uh, in the sense of being filled with, you know, all sorts of incredible things. It, it was actually, the tent of meeting was actually sparse. There were only a few items in there. There was no place for seating. We'll find that out later on. No place to sit down. It was just a tent of meeting. But God wants them to pay attention to, to, to what they're doing. Pay attention to the detail. He wants the place to be a place of beauty, a place that they desire to come to. And lastly, as we learned earlier uh, in the middle of our study, that God wanted a place of meeting. God has not changed. The place may have changed, but he has not changed. He still has a desire to meet with you and I. And the wonderful news, the great news, the better news than all of this is that there were priests allowed inside of the tent. But then there was a place called the Holy of Holies. So that place was called the Holy Place. And then there was the Holy of Holies that was behind. And there was a, a couple of different um, curtains. And only a high priest could go in there once a year. Well, the really cool thing is that Jesus Christ has become our high priest so that you and I can approach the throne of grace with boldness, the book of Hebrews tells us. What that means is that you and I do not have to wait for a yearly visit with God. You and I do not have to wait for someone else to go for us. 
There is no holy of holies here behind this wall. Like, you know, we press this button and it opens up like a spy movie. And then Pastor Chris goes back there during the week and meets with God. That doesn't happen. Okay? On the other side of this are air conditioners and palm trees and wood chips. Okay? There isn't a place like that where only I'm allowed to go into or only Pastor John can go in there. The wonderful, incredible, beautiful news is that God wants to meet with all of us individually and that we no longer need that high priest because our high priest is Jesus. And because of him, we have free access to God the Father 24-7, anytime, anytime you want. I've joked for years, and I do not mean to be disrespectful, but even in the bathroom, sitting on the toilet, you can meet with God. You cannot meet with President Biden from your own bathroom. He would not even do a Zoom call with you. There's no way you're going to get a Zoom call with him. We have no access to him. There are layers. We've got to go through our representatives to talk to this person, talk to that, and it goes on and on and on. But with God, God the creator of the universe, I may go and approach him at any time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What an incredible privilege. And yet, how often do we take advantage of that? Oftentimes we find ourselves going through our day and through our week and through our month and through our year and through our life without ever stopping, or at least only rarely stopping, to consult with God. God, am I going in the right direction? Am I doing the right thing? God, is there any wisdom that you have that you can give me as I'm, as I'm walking through this life? So I'm encouraging you and challenging you to think about that today and this coming week. How many times? I mean, if God said, man, I, I, I want to meet with you, how important would that be to you? It would be extremely important. Well, he is saying that. He does want to meet with you. And, and so what I want to do this week as I head into the week is, God, how many times can I meet with you this week? Meet with you in the mornings and in the noontime and at night. And can I meet with you while I'm walking? And can I meet with you while I'm you know, doing whatever it is that I'm doing? What I want to do is cultivate a relationship with God where there is a communication from me to him. He's already communicating to us. So now it's about me communicating back with him, meeting with him. We have resources that God offers to you and I. Strength for the day. Do you need wisdom for school? God can give you wisdom. And James tells us that he gives it liberally. He just gives it freely. You ask for it, he'll give it to you. Do you need strength for the day? God wants to give you strength. Do you need strength to get through? Maybe there's a sin that you are fighting with, struggling with. Do you need strength to get through that? God can give you that. He has the resources and wants to give them to us. He wants to meet with us. So let's make that our challenge this week. I'm going to meet with God. I'm going to go into his holy of holies because I have access through Jesus what an incredible, wonderful opportunity. Before